What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Get a Grip with Kay or Get a Grip with Kendall. I'm both. I respond to both. And we're here. We're going to do a little solo episode today. Um, it is December. Let's see. December 20th. So I had to check my phone and we are inching closer to Christmas. And I just want to say that I like this podcast is something that I love so much that I feel like I have just not been able to make enough time for in the last couple of months. And so instead of waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect time, the perfect thing, it's just one of those exercises for me of like, just turn on the computer, turn on the camera and just go. And I figured it's a good time because to do a solo episode because we just had Nogi Worlds um, a couple weeks ago and I haven't really done a recap since then. And I realized like my Instagram is probably where most people listen to me or see me most. And I don't really share that much about what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I talk about working out and training, but I'm going to take this time to do a recap from Nogi World and then also talk a little bit about what my life is actually like, because I am an athlete um, and I do compete and train, but that is like a very minimal part of my life. And so I think it's probably one of the most commonly asked questions I get is just like, what do you actually do all day? Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today and also just talk about like this end of year pre-holiday, let's wrap all these projects up before Christmas kind of energy that I've been feeling that I'm moving through and then how I'm going into 2024 um, with some new ideas and some expansion, but also with a big emphasis on staying grounded and happy and healthy and all of that. So first of all, Nogi Worlds, dude, Nogi Worlds was was such a beautiful, beautiful experience. There's something about being on those blue and yellow mats. And if you've competed at IBJJF, you know what I mean. There's something about being on those mats that is just different than any other experience. So I came back to Polaris. I came back to competition after 14 months. That was in um, November. And after Polaris, like it was an amazing return. I love competing with them. Had a great win over Leticia Cardoza. I maintained my belt for the third time. It was great. But after Polaris, I remember this flow grappling clip coming up or like come through my Instagram feed, uh, this post about the brackets for Nogi Worlds and how stacked they were. And I definitely had some FOMO and I was like, oh my God, dude, I really wish that I was competing. So I reached out to some of my coaches and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing Nogi Worlds. This would be a big step up because it would be not just a one match. It would be a bracket, be division. You know, I haven't competed in Nogi World since 2019 and I double golded that year and it's been so many years. So what do you think? And there are mixed reviews from my coaches. Some of them were like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. And some of them were like, well, I don't know, maybe. But the general consensus was if I was excited about it and I wanted to do it, then we should do it. But just my weight class and not the open class because we wanted to see how my body and some of my injuries that have been healing um like reacted to having multiple matches in multiple days because that's very different than just a super fight or one match. So we ended up signing up for just the weight class, um, which is so funny for me because I definitely had to battle a little bit of that internal, like, oh my God, am I not going to feel as cool if I don't do the open? Am I not going to get that validation? Are people going to think that I'm being a bitch? Like, you know, what is it? Because I'm very much like, I don't think I've ever had a black belt major tournament that I didn't do the open in. Um, even just competing in general throughout all my color belts, I always did it. But this seemed like a smart professional decision. So I battled some of those feelings and I signed up just for the weight class and going into Nogi Worlds, like I didn't really realize how good it was going to feel to be there. And I remember my very first, well, first of all, not signing up for the open. Then when the open bracket came out, the open division bracket came out, I definitely did have a little bit of FOMO. I was looking at the bracket and I was like, oh, it would have been so cool. But the truth is that 
for whatever reason, I just felt guided. Like this was not the moment for me to do that. And there will be plenty more world championships and like whoever needs to, like whoever's going to shine in that bracket, like that's not my business right now. And that was a really big moment, like a big growing up moment of just like, let's do what makes sense. Let's do um, what you're excited about. And also like just what's professional, I think. And that's a big change from, I think a lot of the jiu-jitsu community, at least my experience in the jiu-jitsu community, because it's kind of just like a, a fuck it, we ball kind of a vibe, (laughs) just like do whatever. And this was a professional choice. So with that being said, I walk into the first match and I'm going up against somebody that I've never fought before. She's highly accomplished, has a lot of great medals in the last year or so. And I win the match in like a minute and 10 seconds. Um, I don't know how to explain the heart centered emotion that went into that match, but truly I was on cloud nine, like from start to finish. Um, I took her down. I was able to pass from side control or from half guard into the mount. And I have this arm triangle and then I'm finishing the arm triangle and she does this defense. I'm going to make a video about this, but she does this defense. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see where they do the answer, the phone thing, and they put the hand behind the head. And then when they're doing this, you can reach and grab the wrist and just kind of yank it. But usually when you do that, it creates like an Americana kind of a crank on the shoulder. And then to alleviate the pain, they straighten the arm up. And when they straighten the arm up, then you can cinch the choke back in correctly because now the hand is not on the back of the head. But uh, I was able to keep cranking the arm and then her back of her elbow went on my head because my head's like right here. And it created like a straight arm bar kind of a motion. And I I heard her elbow start like crackling and popping and she tapped. And when I stood up, when I tell you that my heart just bursted with emotion and like a remembering and a realization of, oh my God, I kind of forgot that I'm good at this and oh my God, I love this so much. And I'm like looking at uh, my dad who has been my professor since I was young. His name's Tom. And I was looking at Saul who's coached me for a long time. And they're, they're cheering in my corner. And then behind me, I literally have my boyfriend, Chris, and then his brother, Steve, who's also helped me train and stuff. I have them literally competing like almost the exact same time and everyone's there. And my, my whole family was there and a bunch of my teammates. And there was just this feeling of like, I'm home and I'm right where I need to be. There's something about being, being like, there's something about competing at the same time as other high level competitors too, where like you feel all of these high level people on the mats at the same time. And you're all having this energetic experience. And some people like crack under the pressure. Some people are exploding with joy. Some people are in like super intense moments of their night uh, of their lives and upsetting, you know, big matches. And you're in that vortex. And there's something that's different about that than a super fight, because at least for me, it's like a palpable, like there's, it's like a thickness to the air. And so to be in that and to feel all of that emotion, I'm very, very sensitive emotionally, if you haven't been able to tell ever, (laughs) very sensitive emotionally. And I'm like winning and I just feel my heart explode. And I'm not a post-match crier, but I did cry at the end of that match. Like I got choked up and tears were coming and I just felt like I took a moment after the match, stepped off the mat and just was like sitting there. And I was like, man, thank you. Like, thank you God for just bringing me here. And 
just allowing me to have this moment and have this experience. Like this is just enough for me, like be present right here, right now. So honestly, I was on cloud nine for like the entire day. Like I, I only, that was the semifinals and I was just coaching and watching teammates for the rest of the day and ended up going to eat later. And, um, I was just so elated, like the most happy I've been. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't allow myself to be happy until it was over. And I think there's an important lesson in that in so many different arenas of our lives where it's like, I didn't allow myself to be happy until it was over until I got a hundred percent and an A plus and the gold medal and the gold star. And then I could like crack a smile and be proud of myself. And the way that I've evolved over the years, especially through so much turmoil and heartache with losses and injuries and stuff is I just realized like, man, you don't always get the hundred percent. You don't always get the A plus. You don't always get the gold star. There are sometimes things out of your control where you don't get that. And so if you have the ability and if I have the perspective to enjoy where I'm at, when it's a small win or when it's a partial win or just to be happy in the moment when something pleasant happens or goes my way and to celebrate that and to give myself permission to celebrate fucking fully, <laughs> that is so beautiful because no matter what would have happened after that match, after the semifinals, that moment was going to be mine forever and celebrating with my friends and the people that I love and my family and, you know, just being with them and being present and sharing that energy with people who care for you um, or care for me is, is so beautiful. So anyway, next day I remember going, uh, I think the finals were around like 1230. It was really weird because it was very early in the day and normally we fight like in the finals at night, but it was actually my very first black belt world final because when I double golded in 2019, it was, I closed out my weight and my, and the open class with my teammate, Jessica flowers, who was amazing. And that was kind of back in the time where people were still only doing closeouts. Like people did not the rules have changed since then about points and cash price, what of all that stuff has changed. That was after the fact those changes were made. So anyway, and we decided as teammates, that's what we were going to do. So I never had, I only had semifinals matches. I never had a final. So this was my very first final. And I remember, you know, talking with Chris before the match and kind of like we were over by the restroom. I think I had said, Oh, Hey, I'm going to go We are, I was in the warm up area and you know, Saul, my sister, Emma, my parents, everyone was around. We were helping me warm up and, I went to the bathroom and I said, Chris, like, will you go will you walk with me? And it's so funny because like girls are always like, oh, let's go to the bathroom. And like, I would never normally ask him like, oh, like go to the bathroom with me. <laughs> but I needed just a moment to kind of connect one-on-one -on -one with him and just be able to say like, hey, I know it doesn't seem like it because I know how to put on a really good show and a really good face as an athlete who's done this for years. Um, and I've done this for years, but I'm nervous. Like I'm really nervous and I haven't been in the spot like that, like this, or like feeling like there was so much pressure because, you know, in my mind, I'm creating these stories like, oh, she's the world champion. She's returning. She's coming back from an injury. We're expecting this big victory. Oh, she's ranked above this person. She's supposed to win. She's all of these stories that were swirling around. And me really wanting to perform at my best. And this is an opponent I hadn't fought before. She won the, I think the Brazilian nationals and a couple other big tournaments this year. And so it was like kind of nerve wracking when you haven't fought against them. Cause a lot of times nowadays in the finals of big events, these are people that you've gone with for years and you know their styles. So a lot of unknown and my first black belt final. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm nervous. And he looks at me, he's like, I bet you are. And it was kind of a funny moment because I was like, that's not what you're supposed to say. Like you're supposed to tell me to not be nervous, but it was actually such a, you know, a permission giving moment where it was like, yeah, of course you are. 
and, and be here and be in it and feel it and don't make it wrong. And I was like, you're right. I am. I'm nervous, but I know that the physical representation of nerves is the same as a physical representation in many ways as excitement. And so like anxiety, am I anxious or am I excited? And I'm like, okay, there's some fear here, but there's also some excitement. So let me feel the fear and let me do it anyway. And that's something that's so beautiful about jiu-jitsu because I know that like I was driving to the fine, or I think I was driving on day one and Chris and I were talking about why competing? Because I was saying like, yeah, it's really easy for me to get cynical about jujitsu sometimes because, you know, competing is so selfish. It's so self, self-absorbed. We, you know, what is it with the whole like ripping your gi off and yelling and being crazy when you win? Like, why is it such a big deal? But why is it easy to point at other people and be judgmental? I'm speaking for myself, obviously. Why is it easy to be judgmental of other people? But then when it's someone that you love, you can get into it and you feel the energy and you're just like, you know, exploding with joy. Or why is it with you that like I'm finishing a match and I have tears coming out of my eyes. And it was interesting because what we came to and what I really felt was after all these years, the reason why it's a big deal for me to compete and the reason why, you know, competitors, for those of you guys listening out there, you felt this feeling, you understand it. The reason there's such mutual respect in that area, in that area and why we can have so much joy for one another or so much heartbreak for one another when people lose in my, in my opinion, is that when you go out and compete, you have the opportunity to put who you are on complete display. And this is a very volatile version of self-improvement <laughs> or self-discovery because you have this idea of who you are and you have this idea of who you say you are. But when you are in those moments in a match, where you're almost going to get taken down or you're almost going to get submitted or you're almost going to pass someone's guard, but you're like not quite there yet. And you have to make a decision of if you're going to put your foot on the pedal or if you're going to back up. Only you really know if you move forward with courage or if you move backward with cowardice. And the audacity to do that in a combat sport where someone's trying to fight you. So not only your character, but someone's trying to fight you. And then the audacity to do that in front of a crowd of people who know you and care about you and you have to see the next day is pretty amazing. And I think that's what makes it for me scary or brings anxiety because it's a challenge for me to prove to myself one more time that I am who I say I am and to even maybe rise above that and to be even better than I thought I was. And doing that in front of people who love you is very vulnerable. Like there's an intimacy to that. There's an intimacy to competing in a combat sport that I feel. And so that really removes some of this, you know, being out of competition for a while and really rethinking like, why is competition important? Is this what I want to do? What am like, what is the identity of a competitor? All this existential crisis shit <laughs> that you go through when you have these injuries or, you know, when people, when you get pulled out of your career, pulled out of a relationship, right? It's not just with this, this situation in particular, but after all that self-discovery and cynicism, like that really was an important moment to go into the tournament with, you know, I'm not really here to win. I'm here to see if I am who I say I am. And that is something that makes sense to make a big deal about. Like that's a big deal to me, you know? So that being said, I went into the finals and 
stuck to the game plan. I felt super supported. I could hear so many people coaching me and just had like this beautiful moment right before I went on the mat where Andressa, my Gracie Vaughn teammate, Andressa Sintra, multiple time world champion, was up against Rafaela Geddes and finished a beautiful close guard arm bar. And then Lucas, her husband, is in her corner and we're all been, you know, in multiple major black belt finals moments together. And so once again, we're here. Lucas is cheering, Andressa's jumping up and down. She points at me, I'm getting ready to fight. And immediately my nerves are just out the window. Like I am just filled with love and joy and excitement. And I go onto the mat and there was this moment in the beginning of the match where I finished a takedown out of bounds. And instead of having this feeling of, oh shit, I didn't score. I should have kept her in. And like, man, that sucks. Cause now I have to stand on the feet again. The feeling was good good. Let's see if I can do it again. And I think that's like a very personal thing to share with you guys, because, you know, when you're on the mats, when you think you should have scored or when you're trying to score and you don't, that is something that used to sway me in a match, like could make or break my mentality. And the fact that I'm here in this moment where that actually is a driving force and it's exciting is a really, really cool thing for me to see as my own, for my evolution. And so that's what I'm going to continue to strive for. Um, and that's what I hope you strive for is like when you're met with that kind of a thing in a match or in training, it's like the attitude shifts to good, bring it on, like give me more. So that's what happened. I was able to take her down, same take down my underhook. Honestly, I've hit that so many times in competition. If you guys ever want to know like easy, low risk, uh, high reward, non like when I say low risk, I mean, you're not dropping your knees and get sprawled on by like, you know, getting smashed. If you ever need takedowns like that, that's pretty much like my entire game. And I use the same stuff in every competition. And I, you know, it's evolved. It's like evolving and I add little things to it and I'm getting smarter with it. But for the most part, like my core stuff stays the same and it works on the best people in the world. And that's what I teach in my instructional. So shameless plug for the BJ Fanatics instructional that has 10 and a half hours of takedowns on it. So Hit that takedown, ended up, uh, she turtled. I ended up taking the back from turtle, flattening her out. I was looking for, you know, different chokes and like wrist locks and Americanos. And I was trying everything that I could. Wasn't able to finish that way. She starts to turtle back up. I switched to an arm bar from the back and ended up finishing the arm bar. And I almost lost the armor. I was really scared actually, because I felt like she was going to pull her arm out and come up on top and stack me and start passing. And I was like, no. And there's this picture where I'm pulling on the arm and it looks like I'm smiling, but I'm not. I'm like, ah, like trying to finish it with everything that I have. So I finished the arm bar and there's this picture, uh, shout out to Ty. There's this pic, uh, he's tagged on my Instagram. If you guys go check it, he's a great photographer. He does a lot of IBJJF events, but there's this picture of me sitting there about to start fixing my hair and I'm sitting on my knee. And it was like one of those moments that gets stuck in time forever. You guys probably have them. You know, you look back and you're like, that's a moment where it was like time just stopped. And I was just one with the energy. And it was like a feeling of home. Like I'm exactly where I need to be. And in that moment, I wasn't even thinking, well, I wasn't really thinking at all in general, but I wasn't really thinking like, oh, I won. Oh, I did it. It was just like, this is, it was, it was, it was just peaceful. That's what it was, which is kind of funny because I used to be the person that was all about excitement and like constant energy. And now I find some of my best work is done. And some of my most impactful moments are done in peace. Um, and that's what I found this tournament. So that's kind of the recap of Nogi World. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to go into, but for the most part, you know, it was emotionally back on those mats. It was beautiful to step up on that first place. Of course, like feels really good to have that medal, have the flowers. Uh, side note, I never got flowers in 2019. That was before they did that for Nogi World. So I was very happy to have flowers. Finally, I was always jealous of the Gi World champions. 
And, um, and I just felt like I was where I needed to be. And that night when I did Fogo to Shao, that afternoon, I mean, Fogo to Shao, I'm sorry, that's not really the right way to say it. And then we went to the gym and we lifted and it wasn't like a big deal. Like, oh, I need to like go lift now. It was just like, this is just what I do on this Saturday. <laughs> and so I went and lifted and we had a good workout and it was fun. I was with Emma and uh, Felipe and some of our friends, Jason, Chris, and just had a great time and um, spent the rest of the time in Vegas, went to the UFC Fight Pass Sunday night because the tournament was Saturday. And that was Nookie Worlds. And honestly, since then, it's just been like, it's the weirdest thing because it happened with Pilar's too. I felt like before I had these injuries in the last couple of years, I used to have these huge highs and lows with an achievement. Like it was either like I was on drugs and I was just like the, the coolest thing since sliced bread for months after a huge win. That's maybe an exaggeration, maybe weeks. Um, but if I lost, I was the biggest loser in the whole world and instantly into a deep, dark, you know, um, I don't use the word depression lightly, but it was really dark, really dark place. And now, you know, with these last two wins, I'm very much in a peaceful place and very much in a, like, let's celebrate this. Let's have fun. But life goes on and like, what's next, you know, um, but not in a way of like, what's next discounting it, but just more of acknowledging it for being great without it, let it, without letting it be over inflating, which I think as a young athlete, it was easy for that to do that. Um, because I relied on the wins to build my self-esteem and my value that I saw myself having in the sport or not having if I lost. And now I don't place my value and my self-esteem in the wins or the losses. And so it'll be interesting to see when there is a loss because, you know, losses happen in careers. It'll be interesting to see if and when, you know, we have a loss and then I'm sitting here having a similar conversation of how that affects me. I hope that I can have the same kind of attitude and feeling about it. So that'll be an interesting test. That'll be different. But anyway, that was Nogi World. And I want to move into what I was going to talk about earlier too. I'm like, what is happening in my life? What is going on? What's next? That's a big question people have been asking, you know, what is the next thing? And honestly, I am really going to take some time in the first two quarters of the year to teach a lot of seminars. I'm getting pretty booked up for those. So I have a link that you guys can go to if you're interested in having me or if your school owner wants to have me because we only have a couple slots left for the first two quarters of the year. So that's number one. Um, I'm also going to open JJA again, Jiu-Jitsu Accelerator, which is my mentorship program, which is really exciting because I haven't run that since I usually run it like one time a year. It started in 2021. And I'm going to run that again. I'm very, very excited. Uh, it's a one-on-one -on -one mentorship program where I work with clients on jujitsu, structuring your training, improving your technique, all these things, training for competitions, how to set up a camp, um, just how to improve faster in general, like the way to approach training, but also nutrition, strength and conditioning, and mindset and sports psychology. So it is basically everything that I would have wanted as a blue belt. And I was like searching for and trying to always find so I could get better faster, um, but wasn't like, but had to hire like five, six, seven, you know, different coaches at different moments in time to get the answers that I saw that I was seeking. And so I take people, whether they're competitors or just people who want to train and improve or people who feel like they are kind of stuck spinning their wheels and they're not improving as quickly as they think they can, or a common thing, you know, they love their instructor, but their instructor is trying to teach 300 people and they don't have that one-on-one -on -one connection. And they want to work with someone who's been there and done that and can, as you know, can help guide them through, um, how to become their own best leader. So that's, JJA Jiu-Jitsu Accelerator, that's going to be starting in January. And that requires a lot of my time and attention because it's a very, very intensive program. And 
honestly, like it goes through an interview process to see if somebody's the right, the right fit to work with me. And if I'm the right fit to even be, you know, someone that can help with what they need. So I take on a very limited amount of clients. So anyway, the reason I go into all that is because with that happening in January and knowing how intensive that is, I am not going to be putting my name on the list for super fights in the first couple months of the year um, because I want to make sure that I'm actively putting my best foot forward in these other arenas. Same thing with the podcast. Like I really want to get back. Like obviously if you look at the lineup of podcasting competition, the, as soon as I started competing again, the podcast went down the list of priorities and I love doing the podcast and I want to be doing this more. So setting up, you know, going to different places, filming with different people, having some awesome guests on for you guys, scheduling that. So that's a number one, that's a high priority as well. And also just continuing to work on my health and get, in really good, you know, fight conditioning, fight shape and make sure my injuries are taken care of and really respecting my body in that way instead of just throwing myself back into camp after camp. Because when I do compete, I do take it seriously. If you're not, you know, competing, if you're not getting paid to compete, then just do whatever you want, compete all the time. But now at this point, I do take competing seriously. I do like to do a camp for things when I fight. So if I'm doing camps back to back to back, then it's hard to always be improving on skills because I'm like really focusing specifically for one thing. So the next couple of months, I just want to take and do a big improvement season, do a lot of skill building, and then probably look to, you know, compete in the summer. I think that's probably what is on the agenda. I mean, that could change, but that's what we're looking at at this moment in time. ADCC 2024 is the, has a big smile on my face as soon as I say that. So that is huge on the list. Very excited, especially since the women now have three weight classes. That's going to be so dope. I'm super excited for ADCC and it's the T-Mobile Arena. The Mo and the team behind ADCC have just been going above and beyond. I remember ADCC last year and I was like, Mo, you have to do ADCC 2024. Like you can't step out because I know you'll go even bigger and better than before. And that's what we're seeing. So I'm stoked about that. That's the only concrete thing on my schedule, but there are some super fights that could potentially happen summer and around that time that are really exciting matches. So that's kind of what's going on. The other thing too, in the first six months of the year is I'm really focusing on the academies. So I have four academies, I co-own them and I help manage and operate them. I work heavily with our sales team and our instructors on a day-to-day -day basis, even though I'm not in the school teaching anymore the way I used to be. I used to teach completely full-time, um, but nowadays I don't. I do I have other responsibilities that are kind of zoomed out of like just you know being in the, in the gym teaching or selling memberships. And so that we are planning on growing and there is more in the works there that I can't say yet, but we have such an amazing team of staff and students and we are just so blessed with what we have with these four schools that they really deserve a lot of, you know, time and attention, which I try to do year round. But when I am in competition mode, um, my energy, I can feel it being pulled a little bit away from that. So it's an interesting thing. You know, I, I feel like I've said that like five times. <laughs> it's so interesting. Well, it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me because I thought that getting back into competition would mean I would just go full steam ahead and that I would like not stop and put the foot on the gas and do everything and every opportunity. But the truth is I'm now at a point in my career where there's a little bit of a different level of maturity where it's like, I can pick and choose the stuff that I want to do. And now I'm kind of going into, I don't want to use the word legacy, but rather than being desperate to get a bunch of things and to like get a bunch of titles and win a bunch of stuff and have a bunch of different belts. I'm kind of in the phase of like, I've had a lot of blessings. I've had a lot of success. I have 
done a lot of things that I'm proud of and have worked very hard to achieve them. And now I want to keep working, but also I'm expanding as a person. And so to only focus on competitive jujitsu would be a disservice to my spirit because my spirit yearns for other things as well. With that being said, there's also, I forgot to mention a public speaking thing that is in the works. Um, where I'm going to be starting to do that line of work. And I had my first modeling job last year or last year, this year. Um, and that's growing and that's an industry industry. I'm really excited about. I also just recorded a singing TikTok. I probably shouldn't say that on this podcast because I don't know if I'm going to post it or not, but anyway, if you follow me on TikTok, you'll see it. So it's just kind of like, I'm just here for the ride, man. I'm just here having fun. And I used to be afraid of saying that kind of thing because I felt like, Oh, well, fans want to see this or, followers or listen. And the truth is, it's like, I have noticed that when I try to be anything other than what I am, one, the connections I make are false. Like there are people, for example, in the jiu-jitsu community that I've connected with over the years that I felt like I wasn't fully authentically myself and it never has worked out, you know, friends, like just, just different stuff. Like it was never, it never worked out. And I feel the same way even with content, with podcasting, with fighting, any of it. It's like when I put that out there, like when I feel people put out inauthentic content, I can feel it. I feel, I feel that I can feel it on the other end. And there's just no, I want to be excited about doing podcasts and doing things and like, and there's only, the only way I can do that is if I'm telling the truth and if I'm just being myself. So anyway, I really appreciate you listening to this and being here and being along for the ride because I always just feel like funny. Like if you really think about it, like just take a second to think about this. I am at home in my kitchen alone right now talking to myself on a screen. Like as I'm recording this, there's no one listening. Like, it's not, it's not a conversation. Like, if you think about how weird that is for a minute, like I'm speaking to me and then later down the line, you're listening to it with headphones or in your car or whatever you're doing. And it's a kind of funny, like it's a weird thing to do, but it's really fun because it allows me to connect with other people who either can benefit from some sort of the message are interested in it because they see some of themselves in it. Usually I find the people that I want to follow. It's like, I feel like some kind of resonance with them. And so if that's you, I mean, the fact that I get to do that through this computer screen is insane. Like it's so cool what we're doing in 2023. So I just want to say thank you because being along for the ride, there's been so many twists and turns in my career and content. You know, for example, I used to talk so much about body positivity and my eating disorder recovery and the history and that. And that was how a lot of people connected me online. And I actually stopped talking about that as much on social one, because it was less of like front of mind concern for me 24 seven, but also because it opened up a really vulnerable place with me where people saw a lot of places to throw daggers and they really sometimes took advantage of that or just took that opportunity to do so. And so I stopped doing it as much because I felt like it was a little bit more protective and respectful of my peace and my safety, like my mental health and my safety. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that I know so many people out there listening have the same kinds of struggles and the same kinds of experiences that I do. Like I remember even at Polaris, I had the thought of, is my rash guard going to come up and people are going to see me on screen and I'm, and it's not going to look nice. Like people are going to judge me, you know? 
And that wasn't that long ago. You know, those thoughts still come, come up from time to time. And then when I was in Ogie World, I had zero of that. Zero. Like I was totally free and I was totally, and it's not always perfect, but I know that the more I do the work as far as my eating disorder recovery and I stay connected to that, I get more of the days like Nogi Worlds where I'm free. So I just wanted to, I didn't really plan to talk about that, but I just wanted to share a little bit of a tidbit of that. If that's something that you resonated with or that you have listened to over the years, one, I see you and I hear you. Well, I don't hear you unless you DM me, but you're welcome to DM me. Um, But when I see you and I appreciate you seeing that in me because you're not alone, it's not something that like I always remind myself, like I'm not terminally unique, you know, like I'm not like, oh, it's me. It's just I'm dealing with it's like we're all human. We all have our stuff. So anyway, whatever it is that you're here for, I appreciate you being here. And if there's anybody that you guys want to hear on the podcast, please send me some recommendations and requests because I'm going to start to plan that for the new year. I'm going to try to film another episode um, over the holidays to kind of do like a recap of 2023. But We'll see um, if that happens because with the businesses and everything, there's a lot of other priorities. So if that doesn't happen, then it'll be early in 2024. But honestly, this has been one of the most beautiful years of my life. And I feel so grateful that you guys are along for the ride. It's been really, really fun and weird and exciting in different ways. And uh, and I've just become you know more of a woman that I'm really proud of today, especially in this past year. And that is due mostly to hardship. Um, and overcoming. And I heard a quote by someone recently that said, you know, I try not to, to hate or resent my grief because grief will leave me a more finished person if I, you know, do my best to work through it as best as I can. And if I move through my grief as someone that I'm proud of, then I come out again as a more finished person and a person that I get to be more proud of and a person that I know better. Um, like I get to know myself better through that. So anyway, I think that's all I got for tonight. Um, just here in my kitchen on a, what's today? Wednesday night at 9.30 PM. I almost didn't film this, but I was like, okay, it's time. Kendall, get in front of the camera and just turn the camera on. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful life. It's a beautiful day. And if I didn't say anything that resonated, re- resonated with you today, just go put on some good music and start jamming because there's nothing like energy <laughs> from music to get you going. Um, but if you did, I would absolutely love and adore if you were to share this episode, leave a review, leave a rating, leave a review, share it with somebody. I don't put sponsored ads on this podcast, maybe someday, but for right now, it's not something that I need um, to do in my life. So I try to keep it ad free for you guys, but I do ask that you guys share it with somebody that might like it, might find it interesting. Just copy the link and paste it to them, share it on your story, review, rate, all of that good stuff really helps support the podcast, especially if you subscribe on YouTube and all of that kind of stuff. Um, It really, really means the world and it allows me to keep doing what I'm doing. If this grows, um, Because the truth is like, I think a lot of creators don't say it this way. Content creators, (laughs) it's always so funny to call myself a content creator, but I do, I create content. Um, I think people don't really say it this way, but the truth is like whatever people pay attention to and invest in and support, like that stuff will thrive because it means like, for example, like this is just real life. I'm just going to be super honest. If the YouTube grows and the YouTube monetizes, then other things that are obligations like to support your lifestyle or your income can go down and then that can go. And then this thing like the YouTube, for example, can go up. And so truly like that's, you know, when I say like, Oh, if you like the podcast and you want to see more, please support it. Like that's literally the reason why. So, I mean, if you, yeah, you get the idea, you get what I'm saying. But, um, 
sometimes I wonder if I'm like a little bit too, like it should be like the content should be like more scripted and more like influency, but I don't really know how to do that. So I'm just tell the truth. I just come on here. I'm a classic overshare. If you haven't gotten that from me yet, now you, you will, cause I'm telling you point blank, but, um, I just feel like there's a lot of stuff like that I used to wonder about when I watched content creators and I didn't understand. And so if you guys ever want more content about that, just let me know. Cause I'm happy to make it. I have some beautiful friends that are way more advanced than me in this space who have given me a lot of guidance and a lot of um, information. And so I'm always happy to share that, especially for those of you interested in doing some of this stuff yourself. So, all right, I'm going to stop now. I need to go to bed. Uh, thank you guys for being here. I love you so much and I will see you.